So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would bring, uh, you would illuminate, Lord, what your word says about this topic. Lord, we want more of your power in our lives to be bold witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I came to this church uh, when I was in third grade. I grew up in a Christian home. I got saved at a young age. And uh, I'll never forget a Sunday that I came here. I was in a fifth and sixth grade Sunday class of about 15 or 20 fifth and sixth graders. And this missionary came to here at Grace with a 15-year-old son, his 15-year-old son, and up until that point, I had a relationship with Jesus, but a lot of it was out of a sense of duty. I knew I should pray. I knew I should read the Bible. But his son, who was a couple years older than me, had a real passion for Jesus. And the dad and his son, this missionary, just asked a simple question. He said, how many of you guys want to have an experience with God? And I thought, well, uh, I'm in church. I, I got to raise my hand for that. And so I'll never forget his son put his hand over my heart and he started praying and the Holy Spirit came into that room and everything that I, that I knew to be true came alive about who Jesus is. And what was happening, I didn't realize in the moment what to call it, what it was. I'd never grown up uh, prior to Grace Covenant hearing anything about the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or Spirit spiritual gifts at all, speaking in tongues. I didn't know what any of that was. But when his son put his hand over my heart and began to pray for me, and when the Spirit of God came in that place, I began to speak in tongues. And I remember going home uh, that night, and it was right around New Year's Eve, and, and my mom uh, asked our family, she said, what's your New Year's resolutions? And I said, I, I just want to read the Bible three hours a day. And I think the next morning, you know, I might have spent like five minutes, but that was the zeal, that was the passion in that moment that I experienced. And really, that was a life-changing moment for me. If I look at my journey with Jesus, um, besides being saved, that was a pivotal moment where God changed the trajectory of my life and gave me a passion for him. So tonight, my hope is to answer some of these, some of these questions, and I, you should have a handout there. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it different than water baptism? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, its purpose? Is it for today? And if so, how do I receive it? How do I know if I have it? So first, I want to give you a little bit of the significance of this passage that we just read in Acts chapter 2. This is called Pentecost. And the disciples' experience on Pentecost was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, of John the Baptist's prophecy, and of Jesus' promise that he would baptize his followers in the Holy Spirit and in fire. 
my point is that this moment was not just like a moment of great worship where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came up and it was just like the guitarist was having a good day and man, the worship leader was singing and anointed and the Holy Spirit. This was a moment from the foundation of the world that God orchestrated to give his disciples power. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says that this is God speaking. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So there was a prophecy that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And he'd said in in, uh, John, it says, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here, John the Baptist is saying, there's someone coming after me who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus, John's cousin, gives points back to this promise in Acts chapter 1. This is some of his last words that he was giving to the disciples before he ascended to heaven. And it says in Acts 1 verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here's an Old Testament prophecy in Joel. Here's a prophecy from John the Baptist. And then Jesus is going to promise the same thing that John the Baptist prophesied, that if the disciples will wait, they'll receive a power that will come upon them. So what happens in this Pentecost moment? Disciples are praying. They're waiting on the Lord just like Jesus had instructed them. The Holy Spirit comes in power. Tongues of fire rest over them. A mighty rushing wind. And they start speaking in tongues. And Peter stands up. And the crowd, they're they're not understanding what's going on. They're thinking that perhaps these men are drunk. And he explains what's happening in this moment. And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, as he's addressing this crowd, he says, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Peter is saying, look, this is what was foretold by Joel. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say in verse 33 of Acts 2, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. What Peter is doing is he's tying this event to Joel's words, to John the Baptist's words, to Jesus' words, that this was something that God had orchestrated in this moment for the disciples to have. Some of the confusion, I think, around this topic is kind of differentiating what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit compared to, let's say, baptism of water. Or you even hear teaching that unless you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. So I want to walk through some of these distinct moments of a Christian's life. First is conversion. When you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, 
the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. That's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every person who's put their faith in Jesus, who've repented of their sins, has God living in them. That's conversion. How do we know this? Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 13 through 14 it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of the glory. So the fact that the Holy, how do we know that when Jesus comes back, that he's going to come back for you and I? Do we have the Holy Spirit inside of us? If we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that's a guarantee that Jesus is coming back for us, that we are a part of his bride, that we are his people. That Holy Spirit who lives in us, who convicts us of sin, who leads us into all truth, that is the guarantee. That's the de deposit that Jesus puts inside of us, that, he's gonna, that we are his, and he's going to come back for us. After conversion, the next immediate step of obedience is water baptism. We see this in scripture all the time. In fact, Peter says in Acts 2.38, while he's giving this speech, he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. So there's this assumption that as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you're gonna get baptized in water. You're gonna let the community of faith that you're a part of know that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You're gonna have encouragement from your church family. You're gonna have accountability. You're going to have people praying for you. You are part of the family of God. And this, what we're celebrating tonight after this message, baptism, is a celebration of folks who've made a decision to follow Christ. It's not what saves you. It's a demonstration of what God has done in your life. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, Philip, the evangelist, preaches the gospel to him. And this eunuch says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? That's the next step of obedience that he took in following Jesus was to get baptized. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're talking about tonight. There's a second baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which occurs after we're saved. That's distinct. It's different from water baptism. Remember, John the Baptist and both Jesus distinguished between water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they said, in, or when Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those are two separate events. We see in actually later in Acts chapter 8 that there were these believers in Samaria who believed in Jesus. They were baptized in water, but then later they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8 verse 12, when they believe Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized in water, both men and women. But then later on, a couple verses, verse 14, now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So these believers in Samaria had gotten saved. They gotten water baptized. And then the apostles came who had experienced Pentecost. They laid hands on these believers and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, at that point, that's where many people, especially from our faith tradition of uh, charismatic churches, people who believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's where many of us stop, is at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
But that baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just the last moment that we can receive power from God. In fact, God wants to continually, continually fill us with his Holy Spirit. Amen? There's more power for us to receive. Just like you plug in your cell phone, we have access to the Holy Spirit, his power and his anointing that we can get recharged and refilled with. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Remember, these are disciples who had already experienced Pentecost. Pentecost. They'd already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they were already baptized in the Holy Spirit, and yet here's a moment where they're filled up again with the power. So you and I have access to more power and more of the Holy Spirit to help us preach the gospel and to be bold. So what is the purpose of this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why should we want it? There are some Christians who don't even believe that it exists. So why should we pursue this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower believers to be bold witnesses for Christ. How many of you want more power? How many of you want more boldness to preach this gospel, to see coworkers get saved, to see family members get saved, to see uh, friends get set free from bondage? A couple days ago, I was in the, the gym and ran into a uh, a uh, friend from high school, hadn't seen him in 10 years. And I've been praying just in preparation for this message, just been praying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Allow me to be a bold witness for you. And in that moment, we bumped into each other. We caught up for 30 seconds. It was very clear that he was far from God. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just ask me to ask him, hey, where are you with Jesus? And he said, I don't have a relationship with God. And so I shared the gospel with him. And right there in Planet Fitness in Centerville, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I'm convicted as I study this because the normal life of the Christian for the disciples was to see people get saved routinely, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need more of that in my life, amen? More of his power, more of his boldness. The disciples, they were already doing ministry prior to Pentecost. Jesus had sent them out two by two in Mark chapter 6, they went out preaching the gospel, casting out demons, anointing people with oil who were sick. And yet, the commission that Jesus gave them, the great commission, to go to all the nations and preach the gospel required more of them, required something that they themselves could not produce in of themselves. They needed a supernatural power to fulfill this great commission. And we need that same supernatural power today. Jesus promised in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he told these disciples, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with what? Power. Power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 2, verse 14, here's a moment where Peter, who had denied Jesus three times in his greatest moment of need, you know, I think there's some of us here who say, you know what, I, I love to share the gospel. I love to share my, my testimony, but I'm just not a very bold person. I'm just more of an introvert, more quiet. Here was a man in Peter who denied Christ three times in his greatest point of need. And yet here he is in Acts chapter 2, standing up, preaching the gospel. And look what it says. 
Though, in verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. What's the difference between a man who was denying Christ and then a man who stands up, preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved? What's the difference? He didn't go through like a 40-day seminary. He didn't go through like intense theological training, although that can help and that aids us in our understanding. But what happened to him was a supernatural event where he was clothed with power. It made all the difference in his proclamation of the gospel. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, the normal pattern we find in Scripture is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit usually is received by the laying on of hands in prayer. The Apostles, they were at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit just fell on them. But then we see throughout the rest of Acts that Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they prayed for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Later in Acts chapter 19, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. For those of us who have a desire for more of the Holy Spirit. We should simply just ask for God to pour out more of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit on our lives. We should ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the boldness that it brings. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is not something that you earn. This is not something that once you... Uh, get to a spiritual place of maturity, once you've uh, acquired enough spiritual knowledge, then you can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift that God wants to give us. And if we're hungry, if we'll ask him for it, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more so will God, who's a loving father, who's a heavenly father, will he pour out the Holy Spirit on those who ask? I want to encourage you today. If you want more of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled afresh, if you want that boldness and that power that Jesus promised his disciples and us as his disciples, all we have to do is ask in faith and God will give us that power. Any gift that we get, whether it's something on Christmas, there's two things that's happening. There's someone giving a gift, and that gift is not earned. It's not something you have to work for. It's given freely. And yet, we need to be in a posture to receive. When you get a gift on Christmas, that gift is for you. It's reserved. It's got your name on it. But if you look at that gift and say, you know what, I'm just going to let this gift open itself. I'm going to just, you know, leave it in the box and maybe God will magically open it up. We have to participate in this gift by opening up our mouth, by seeking it, 
by asking God to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. If we ask, we will receive. When we worship God, we lift our hands, we clap, we sing, we participate in the worship of God. We don't ask God, God, if you, if you want me to worship you, lift up my hands. Open up my mouth. I'm waiting for you, God. We participate. It's the same thing with this gift. We participate with the grace of God to receive this by faith. So tonight, I've been working to give you a definition, okay? I've been working to give you a definition of what this gift is. But it's not just for a definition to have a definition, but it's a definition to give you clarity so you can seek a demonstration of the power of God. How do we know that we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I have in the notes here the gift of tongues or prophecy, but really it's all of the spiritual gifts. We teach here in this church, all of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are evidences that the Holy Spirit, we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you have gift of faith, you have miracles, you have gift of healing, you have prophecy, tongues, interpreting tongues. All of these are evidences that God has baptized you in the Holy Spirit. And so for some of you today who maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we may pray for you and you may have nothing. But you may go home and all of a sudden have a newfound gift of faith to pray and prophesy over people to believe God for the miraculous. You might have a gift of healing. How do you know? you got to step out and pray for somebody. That's a gift you'll only know you have until you pray for somebody to be healed. For others of you, you might just speak in tongues. For others of you, you might have a word of prophecy. But there are so many ways in this church that you can be trained in this. If you've never been to Life in the Spirit, go to that class. You've never been to our prophetic gathering, go there, sit under that teaching and ask God for a greater measure of the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14 says we should pursue spiritual gifts. We should desire them. We should be seeking out God so that we can have these gifts that are meant to encourage the body of Christ. Amen? So here's my definition. Number seven on your handout. Last thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an event following salvation distinct from water baptism that empowers the believer to be a bold witness for Jesus. It's received as a gift of faith through prayer, usually by the laying on of hands, and it's evidenced by a recipient demonstrating any of the spiritual gifts, not just tongues and prophecy, but all the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The goal tonight is not just to give you a definition, but it's a definition so we might seek a demonstration of the power of God, that we might have the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I want you just to stretch out your hands. This is just a, a posture of receptivity, just asking God in faith for more of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of us need, can use a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's just begin to cry out to God and just ask him to baptize us, to fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your baptism in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the boldness and the power that you promised through your prophet Joel. God, through John the Baptist, through Jesus, the promise 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. And Lord, we ask, like children in faith, we ask you for more of your Holy Spirit that we might be bold witnesses. Come on, just lift up your voices to God. Ask him to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit and power. Ask him to be the good father that he is. He doesn't hold out on his children. He's not waiting for us to earn something or to receive something by our own good works. He wants to pour out more of the Holy Spirit on us. Lord, we receive it tonight, a fresh filling that we would prophesy, that we would speak in tongues, that we would lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Lord, that we would have the gift of faith to see impossible circumstances with eyes of faith and believe you for the miraculous. Lord, we believe you for interpreting tongues. Lord, we thank you for this church being a place where your Holy Spirit is welcome. And Lord, we just say tonight, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in greater passion and greater measure in our midst, Lord. We want to be like the early church, Lord, who moved in the miraculous and the supernatural was normal Christian life. We're desperate for that. So baptize us afresh and fill us afresh tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just clap and thank God? for what he's done tonight.